So last week we learned a lot about the start of Hillbilly Horror Stories and going through the first host of Ricky and then switching over to Tracy. This week we're going to learn a little bit about some of our mentors and uh, how they helped us and how they actually grew the show. And one special fan that if it wasn't for him, we probably wouldn't be where we're at today. Next week we will do the final three chapters and wrap up the book. I appreciate you guys listening. Chapter 23 Realizing we have another purpose. A week after making the switch from Ricky to Tracy, I had the most surprising and humbling experience of my entire life. I received an email from a woman named Mindy who lived in North Carolina. Before sharing that email in its entirety, I wanted to offer a little background. One of the very first episodes that Ricky and I produced, I told him that sometimes your deceased loved ones like to communicate by leaving dimes for you to find similar to the concept of pennies from heaven. I often inform people who have recently lost a loved one that they should keep an eye out for random dimes appearing. The more random the location, the greater the chance that this is communication from a deceased loved one. Without fail, whenever I share this information with someone who's grieving, they almost always have a story to share about recently finding random dimes. A few years ago, I had a customer who had lost her daughter to a drug overdose. What made the event even more tragic was that her body was dumped into a church parking lot by her so-called friends with whom she had been partying. This customer broke down in my arms as she told me the heartbreaking story. I grasped her hands and looked deep into her eyes as I told her the story about the dimes. She started crying even more and explained that earlier that day, she walked past a table in her hallway and there sat a dime. She was adamant that that table was always empty. When she saw this, she yelled to her husband and asked if he had put the dime there. He said that he had not and that he also knew better. My customer said that she was confused because they were the only ones in the house and that the dime had not been there earlier. She apologized for crying, but the confusion about the dime on the table had turned to clarity. This now made sense. Her daughter was trying to let her know that she was all right. Now that you have some background, Brace yourself and put yourself in our shoes for a second. We were hosting a podcast about the paranormal, a podcast that lacked quality and had very few listeners. We were trying to get the word out about our show through any means necessary. I would sit in front of a computer screen for several hours every day, posting free ads on Craigslist in city after city in the rants and raves section. That was basically a local section where people could bitch gripe and complain about their city. I would post about hillbilly horror stories. I hoped that someone would read the ad and then become a listener. And someone did, with miraculous results. Here's the email that I received on November 19, 2016. Hello, Jerry, Ricky, and Tracy. My name is Mindy, and I live in Greenville, North Carolina. I apologize for the long email in advance, but I feel that it is necessary to let you guys know how you've completely changed my life. You see, I lost my eight-year-old son to cancer in March of 2015. He was our only child. I spent the last year and a half in a major depression. I've contemplated suicide more times than I can count. It has cost me my job and been a huge strain on my marriage. I've always been a faithful person, but when this happened, I lost all faith in God. I mean, if there's a God, how can he allow my child to suffer like little Luke did? 
How could he ignore so many prayers from so many people? How could he take a child from a family who loved him so much? What really depressed me the most is not knowing Luke's future. I no longer believed that he was in a better place, so to speak, because I did not believe there was such a place anymore. Does he just not exist anymore? These questions hurt me to every depth of my soul. I have to be honest. I've never believed in the paranormal, and your show is definitely not the kind of stuff that I watch on TV or would listen to. Just not my cup of tea. One day in October, I was on Craigslist and I saw a post that just said, Hillbilly Horror Stories. I was curious and I clicked on it. Something told me to just listen. The first episode you talked about your mom. I really felt like that I was meant to hear this story. I felt like you were talking directly to me. Can this be true? Did your mom actually reach out to you from the afterlife? I kept listening to episode after episode. Then it happened. Episode 4. Jerry, you talked about loved ones who have passed on reaching out and trying to communicate by leaving dimes. I broke down and cried. Not out of sadness, but pure ecstasy. This is what God wanted me to hear. I honestly believe that God led me to your show for this story. Since my son's death, I have found what feels like hundreds of dollars worth of dimes. I know this because I started to see so many that it just stood out to me. I had even commented to my husband how I found five in one day in five completely different places. Just seems like everywhere I turned around, there was a dime on the floor or on a table or on my nightstand. I now know without a shadow of a doubt that Luke is still out there, and he's been trying to let me know. I would never have known this without you. I love you so much for this. I'm now happy, truly happy again. My marriage is getting better and I feel like I am alive again. My faith in God is back even though I still don't know the answers to why he had to suffer so much. Maybe it's not meant for me to know. What is important is that I now believe that there is a better place. Please keep doing what you are doing because I'm convinced that your stories probably affect several people the way that they have affected me. May God bless every one of you. That email was a real tearjerker, and I imagine that many of you have a tear or two to dab away. I know that I have tears flow from my eyes every time that I read this email. The day the email arrived, I realized that our little podcast had the ability to make a difference in people's lives. That had not been my original intention. Thus, this was incredibly humbling, the most humbling experience of my entire life. It's been our privilege to receive these types of messages on a regular basis. Almost every week, someone writes us an email or a post on social media telling us what a difference we've made in their life. Sometimes the listener had been going through a traumatic experience like a divorce or a breakup or loss of a loved one. Other times they're battling an illness, some of which unfortunately are terminal. In other cases, someone is suffering from depression or having suicidal thoughts. For whatever reason, these listeners have used our show as an escape from reality. They have felt a connection with us. Many of our listeners consider us family, particularly those without family or estranged from their family. This has been such an honor for us. There's no better feeling. There's no better feeling than knowing that you're making a difference, even if it's just by telling ghost stories. One thing Tracy and I have strived for is transparency. 
we are honest about the people that we become. We are not perfect, and our show has always reflected that imperfection. Our episodes have very little editing, so you get the real us, mistakes and all. Our dog ninja snores or barks on almost every episode. At the beginning of every episode, we thank our military and civil servants for their sacrifice because we value them. We've shared every detail about our lives on the air. I believe that is why people consider us family. They know everything about us. Having a worldwide household is awesome. The more, the merrier. One can never have too many friends and family. Another staple of the Hillbilly Horror Stories has been our dedication to mental health issues and helping those who suffer. Along with thanking the military and civil servants, we always start an episode sharing the suicide hotline and offering our personal help to anyone in need. We invite them to call or text either of us any time that they need to talk. Many have told us that they were surprised that we gave out our personal cell numbers. That is something that we never thought twice about. We would much rather talk to someone at 3 a.m. than read about them in an obituary. We introduced this focus on mental health after recording an episode, Aokiagara Forest, otherwise known as the Suicide Forest in Japan. That was the first time that we had tackled suicide on the podcast. I've always been open about my suicide attempt and thought that this was the perfect opportunity to share my experience, and we gave out the suicide hotline number. We made a conscious decision to do that on every episode thereafter. From this point on, our podcast had become a lifeline. Chapter 24, Taking the Podcast to New Heights Our podcast was about to really take off, and we had a listener who was integral in that happening. His name is Anthony Alvaranga. Anthony was our first big fan. He has been a loyal listener since the very beginning. He would tell everyone he knew about the show. I was so appreciative of his efforts that I even ordered him business cards that read, Head of Marketing. I also sent him a tablet to make his job a little bit easier. Sending business cards and a tablet to a listener might seem over the top, but I honestly do not think that Hillbilly Horror Stories would have enjoyed the success that it had without his efforts. Anthony took it upon himself to write other paranormal podcasts and introduce them to Hillbilly Horror Stories, and asked them to give us a listen. This led to us getting a mention on one of the most popular paranormal podcasts at the time, History Goes Bump. He had written an email that the host Diane Student read on an episode. Diane went on to say that she had listened to a few episodes and she liked the newer episodes with Tracy. This was huge for us. Diane then left us our very first iTunes review from another podcaster with her honest opinion. Her review stated that the podcast episodes with Ricky and myself hosting together sounded like two guys talking at a bar, but that the episodes with Tracy were much more appealing because they were family-friendly. Little did I know that this would be the start of a long-lasting friendship between Diane and myself. She took me under her wing and has become my biggest mentor. Diane would eventually invite Tracy and I on her show to talk about Bobby Mackey's music world a few months later. I cannot begin to tell you what a thrill that was for us. At the same time Anthony was writing History Goes Bump, he was also on Twitter writing Tony Bruski, the host of Real Ghost Stories Online. This was one of the podcasts that had inspired me to start this venture in the first place. Imagine my surprise when I get a private message from one of the biggest paranormal podcasters in the world. Tony said that one of our listeners had written him and suggested that he have us on as guests, and he wanted to know if we were interested. 
I thought, are you shitting me? I could not say yes fast enough. They say that you don't want to meet your idols because you will usually be disappointed. That was not the case with the Brewskis. Tony and his wife Jenny were as nice and sweet as they were on the show. Tony also became a mentor for me when it came to the business side of podcasting. I've learned so much from him. Tony even came up to Lexington from Branson, Missouri to do a live event to celebrate the podcast's three-year anniversary. To give you some perspective on what this did for the podcast, before we appeared on Real Gold Stories Online, we were getting around 200 downloads a week. We had released 21 episodes in four months and had a grand total of 2,500 downloads. The episode we did with Tony aired on January 2nd, 2017. The week after that, we accumulated almost 9,000 total downloads. That was almost four times our total downloads over four months that we received in one week. Obviously, some of the people that listened to an episode or two decided that our show was not for them, and they decided to no longer listen. The next week, we did 6,900 downloads, and the following week, we were at 4,800 and we have never been lower than that number in a week. A month or so later, we had our appearance on History Goes Bump with Diane and Denise, and the momentum just kept right on rolling. Neither of those appearances would have happened without Anthony writing those hosts. Our show was starting to get noticed, and this led to an appearance on Jim Harold's Campfire podcast. Soon, we were getting 100,000 listens a month and making some top 25 lists. We also started landing some pretty big guests. Chanel Ryan was our first celebrity guest. She was voted the sexiest woman alive by Maxim Magazine. She actually approached us about coming on to discuss the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast. Andrea Perrin was our guest for our one-year anniversary show. The movie The Conjuring was based on Andrea's accounts of her family's experiences in a haunted house in Rhode Island. We were also able to book famous paranormal investigators like Nick Groff, Grant Wilson, Amy Bruni, Adam Berry, John E. L. Tenney, and Chad Lindbergh. One of my favorite celebrity guests was medium Kim Russo. We've also had our share of well-known authors such as Linda Godfrey, who named the werewolf in Wisconsin the Beast of Bray Road. Picking a favorite guest would be hard, but if I had to, that honor would go to Father Gary Thomas. Father Thomas is the most well-known exorcist in the United States. The movie The Right with Anthony Hopkins was based on his experiences while being trained to do exorcisms in Rome. That was my favorite interview of all time and the hardest to book. Father Thomas turned me down multiple times before finally agreeing. He insisted that exorcisms were not paranormal and they should not be the topic on paranormal shows. I convinced him that we could present it in a way that would convey that exorcisms were serious and should be treated that way. I pointed out that most people had a Hollywood idea of exorcisms and that he could help educate the public about the reality. The most surprising takeaway from the interview was that he said that for the most part, the exorcisms on the big screen were very realistic. That contorting bodies, unnatural voices, and superhuman strength were all things that he had witnessed in person. 